Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, gentlemen, we uh, get into our summer previews with a look at the four teams not on Northwestern's schedule. Um, we will talk tonight about the Indiana Hoosiers. Um, you know, a, a solid middle of the road, uh, Eastern Division team. They finished fourth last season. Um, you know, they're, they're not playing with the top dogs. They're not in the bottom either. So that, that's exactly what mean fourth in the division means. So there you go. Uh, John, defensively, tell me about the Hoosiers. Okay. So. Here were Indiana's conference statistical ranks in 2018. 10th in scoring defense, 11th in total defense, 10th in run defense, 10th in pass defense. Here were their statistical ranks last year. 9th in scoring defense, 9th in total defense, 9th in run defense, 9th in pass defense. So that's a one-point increase in every category, onward and upward. So I kid, but. In truth, Indiana kind of has something going on here on defense. Historically, and by historically, I mean Kevin Wilson and Pryor, this is an atrocious atrocious university for defensive football. But uh, after they strung together some really relatively miraculous years in the Tigray Scales era, Indiana has not been horrible. This past year, there was a defined five-team defensive basement in the Big Ten, and Indiana was not in that basement. They were barely worse in some ways um, than Penn State's defense last year. Now, again, in many other ways, Penn State was a far superior defense, but the point is, if you squint the right way, um, the Hoosiers' defense wasn't half bad. Remember, this team went 8-5, and five, smoked us, barely lost to the aforementioned Penn State, and should have beaten Tennessee in its bowl game. This wasn't a good defense, but it certainly wasn't bad enough to hijack what Indiana was doing on offense. We talked last year about how you can see that Indiana is trying on defense, and that's still true. Um, and again, that might sound like a joke, but we're going to get to plenty of teams down the road where you can make the solid argument they're not trying on defense. So there isn't a winning defensive culture here, but what there is is a hell of a lot better than, let's throw out a random team, Nebraska, whatever the hell they're doing. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, Tom Allen likes to run a 4-2-5 scheme, and he tries to put as many capable bodies out there as he can. And he tries to cover for a lack of individual talent by putting guys in the best position to succeed. And he gets mixed results out of that. Um, so, for example, the Hoosiers only had one player with more than seven and a half tackles for loss. But they had 13 players who had at least three tackles for loss. 18 players had at least 20 tackles for Indiana. So, this is what doing... Not a lot, but at least something with a little kind of looks like. With that said, remember, Northwestern's defense was noticeably better than Indiana's last year, despite getting zero offensive support. 
And Indiana's defense, relatively speaking, was riding in a Cadillac with what their offense was giving them. So this was by no means a good defense. And any remotely competent offense rolled Indiana last year. So up front, Indiana has some quality beef uh, with tackles Jerome Johnson and Demarcus Elliott, who are 630 plus pounds combined, and they combined for 12 and a half tackles for loss last year. But this group just doesn't get to the quarterback. Only two players had five sacks for Indiana last year, and one of those guys is gone now. Linebacker features Micah McFadden, who had 10 tackles for loss last year. But let's remember back to the Duke teams that Northwestern played in recent history. When you're playing a 4-2-5 and only two linebackers are regularly playing, at least one of those guys should have monster stats. And McFadden is that guy for Indiana, and he had 61 tackles last year. He's their best backer, so you can kind of see where the problems are here. As far as the secondary, uh, there's some good and there's some bad. In terms of the bad, Indiana starts five defensive backs. The team had seven interceptions last year, and two of those were made by McFadden. So they're not exactly killing it back there. No returning defensive back had more than 37 tackles last year. So what I'm saying is four of the five guys back there are not doing a heck of a lot defensively. The good news is the fifth guy is a completely different story. Um, Sophomore defensive back Taiwan Mullen was a four-star recruit, and he is the real deal. He's only a rising sophomore, and he's easily Indiana's best defensive player. He broke up 13 passes last year, was a freshman All-American, and he's going to spend two more years minimum covering the best receiver on every team Indiana plays. So the bottom line of all of this is whatever Indiana's doing is kind of working. They're making a little bit of lemonade here. They're solidly not in the basement anymore, um, and they seem to find a single exceptional player every few years. Their defense isn't good. I wouldn't even say it's middle of the road in the Big Ten, but it doesn't need to be. Like, that's not what this team is. No one's going to be scared by this defense, but I would say that all but the best offenses have to at least respect it. So, Scuzz, offensively, obviously we all know uh, about the departure of one of their quarterbacks, Peyton Ramsey, uh, to Northwestern. Um Tell us about the uh, Hoosier offense. So the Hoosier offense was actually quite good last year. Um, as John alluded to, they were fourth in the conference in points per game. They were uh, third in the conference in – sorry, fifth in the conference in points per game, third in the conference in yards per game. Their rush offense was the third worst offense in the conference, and their pass offense was the second best um, they were also fourth in pass efficiency. So this was, I mean, you think about Indiana over the past five or six years, and you're thinking about all those great running backs that they've had. And you're thinking about uh, how, you know, seemingly every year they have they have a guy who runs, who runs for a ton of yards. And last year that changed. Their running offense struggled a bit. Stevie Scott's production uh, dropped. 
Um, his average was about the same, 4.7 down from 5, but uh, he gained 200 fewer yards. He suffered some injuries. Their offensive line was not as good as it was in 2018. I think if you if you listen back to our preview from last year in Indiana, I, I spelled out how Indiana's offensive line had better advanced stats than Ohio State's in 2018. Uh, that didn't exactly translate in 2019. They dropped off a bit. But the big factor was Peyton Ramsey. If you, I mean, so number two passing offense, uh, they were efficient. Like I mentioned, they have great wide receivers, most of whom are all back this season. But the the great debate last year was Michael Penix Jr. or Peyton Ramsey. Penix uh, is a dual threat guy, great athlete, can't stay healthy. Got injured multiple different points in the year. Didn't play. Uh, I believe after the Northwestern game, if I'm, if I'm yep, did not play after, uh, after playing, you know, the first half of the game against Northwestern, Peyton Ramsey went the rest of the way, but as a result on the whole for the season, Ramsey attempted twice as many passes, completed twice as many passes, did not throw twice as many touchdowns, but still had a 13 to five TD to pick ratio, uh, was a little bit shorter in his um, yards per attempt and 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 uh, averages there, so you know didn't didn't throw it downfield quite as as much as Penix. But when you compare the teams that they played against, Penix got all the all the reps against Ball State. They split against EIU. Penix got to play that that, that wonderful Michigan State defense for a full game. Um, they split against Rutgers again. Although although Penix got the, got the majority, uh, he, he attempted thirty passes against Rutgers. Ramsey only attempted six. Maryland uh, skewed toward Ramsey. What's interesting is in the Maryland game, like late in the second quarter, Penix threw a pick, and Ramsey came in after that and seemed to kind of like go the rest of the way. The next week against um, and 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 some of that you know he might have gotten injured because the next week against Nebraska Ramsey went the whole game, and then they split against Northwestern. But then get this, Ramsey closed out the year against Penn State, Michigan, Purdue, and Tennessee in the bowl game. So if you think about those stats, like Ramsey and Penix basically had identical stats. Ramsey one hundred percent played the tougher schedule. And coming into 2020, I you know I I haven't seen any reporting on this, but it must be true that Indiana wasn't willing to guarantee Ramsey a spot or gave him an indication that they were they were going to go back to Penix um, as the primary guy. And and it, it's hard to argue he's an incredible athlete, but he struggled to stay healthy. And Indiana, if they didn't have Ramsey last year, would not have been nearly as good. And that will be the case again in 2020 because. Penix is more likely than not to get injured, given how the last two seasons have played. How the last two seasons have played out. This is this is where there's going to be a theme that's going to come up several times over our team previews, which is that when you step back and and blink once or twice, who our starting quarterbacks going to be this coming year is not in doubt in any way, <laughs> and this should be the first indicator of that. Indiana really wishes they still had the two guys that they had last year. It's, I, mean, it's, yeah, it's true. I mean, like the like, I still ride hard for Hunter Johnson. Um, I just, I want to see the kid do do well and 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 get there. You know. Um, but it's pretty hard to argue with the guy that effectively was 
the num like led the number two most efficient or number two passing offense in the Big Ten last year, right? Um, I it's it's kind of surprising too when you think about it um, that that he did this as, at Indiana as kind of an afterthought. Um, now that being said, he had a ton of great talent around him. Um, Wap Fillior, incredible name, uh, their top wide receiver, had a a massive breakout year, um, thousand yards. Averaged fourteen and a half, five TDs. Was um, was was the primary target. They had a number of other guys: uh, Peyton Hendershot, Ty Freifogel, um, Nick Westbrook, who who all eclipsed five hundred yards, all double digit yards yards per catch above you know above twelve. Um, multiple TDs. Like they had, they just did a pretty good receiving core in twenty twenty. Those guys are all back. They also get Stevie Scott four-star running back had a little bit of a down year last year not a ton he's going to be fine samson james came in and in and and covered for him another four-star guy who's really good like the their running game is going to be just fine i think they return a fair amount of their offensive line like this offense the only question mark is what happens when Penix gets injured and uh jack tuttle and that's when not if right yeah 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 probably um I, I mean, he runs. He Penix runs a lot more than than Ramsey, and I, you know, running QBs are more likely to get hurt. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. Um, Jack Tuttle is is a guy on the on the on the roster who uh, they liked. He's more of a pro style QB, a la Ramsey. Um, I'm I'm not sure what else they have. That being said, um, they've recruited pretty well. You know, it's it's interesting when you look at their recruiting kind of trend. Like last year wasn't a great recruiting year for them, but the two prior years were were pretty revelatory compared to recent history. So, um, I just Tom Allen to me has done an incredible job developing talent at at IU, and I kind of look at their offense as like the the corollary to the Northwestern defense. Like Northwestern's defense has plenty of you know, four star guys that have come through there over the last, over the last five or six years, but it's much more about intelligent scheme and fantastic player development. And I think that's, that's the case with, uh, with Indiana on the offensive, on the offensive side, like, like these aren't five star players, um, couple, you know, good four star running backs, et cetera, but they're not, you know, they're not destroying the recruiting rankings but their offense is really good and they've developed at the skill positions. They've developed at O-line. They're just, they're, they're, they're smart in their, in their scheme. They throw down field like this. I, I remember going into last season, I was terrified for, f- to play them. And, you know, they ended up drubbing us uh, a lot because we were awful last, last, last year. <laughs> but um, I mean, in Indiana is, is not a team to be, taken lightly anymore as an as an offensive threat what do we know like they have a new offensive coordinator this year um after their old guy went uh back west do we know anything about yes yeah so so he's an internal he's an internal hire and that's that's probably the most important aspect um so 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 interesting deboer was elevated to oc last year and did a much better job than the guy the year before, whose whose name I'm forgetting right now, but um, but then yeah, wanted to go like Fresno State came open. I believe that's his alma mater, so he so he went back there. 
Nick Sheridan is internal, so all of the calls and hand signs and all that stuff, presumably the system remains the same, which is probably a slight advantage in, in you know, COVID times relative to like a team like Michigan State that's replacing everybody or, or even a Northwestern that's bringing in a new OC, although any confusion in changing our scheme um, is, is <laughs> great, greatly <laughs> outweighed by, by like addition by subtraction there. Um, anyways, uh, but I, I don't know, like, I kind of go back to what we saw with, with Penn State when they lost Joe Moorhead. They still had Trace McSorley. They still had great receivers, and their offense fell off the next year under Ricky Ronnie. It just, like, when you've got a really good OC who does a great job, even when you replace him with, with an internal guy who knows the system and keeps everything the same and is able to retain a bunch of the same players, it generally, it generally doesn't go great again the next year. Um so that that's certainly a potential drop for for Indiana. That said, I mean, outside of the big guns in the East, like their schedule's pretty favorable. I th- I mean, I think I think it's really possible they could win eight, maybe nine if they shock somebody. If if Penix stays healthy, um, if he doesn't, though, it could be a uh, could be looking at a six and six type season. Well, let's let's go through that schedule. They open up uh, at Wisconsin. Then they're home for Western Kentucky and Ball State before going to UConn. Uh, home against Maryland at Rutgers. Home against Michigan State and Penn State at Ohio State. Home for Illinois at Michigan and finish up the season uh, at home against Purdue. Um, so you got Illinois, Purdue, and Wisconsin as your cross, uh, cross-conference games. Um, the UConn, Ball State, Western Kentucky is your non-con. This one, this one's fascinating for everything that Scuzz said earlier, because it's like they play the first. They basically play preseason football for half of the year. They can roll out of bed and have five wins in their first six games here. Like if you ask them what's yep. their goal for the first half of the season, it's just for Penix not to get hurt. That's the whole goal. Like, they can happily take that L at Camp Randall, and then they can just show up their next five games and win. Like, what a collection of crap. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that that non-conference, my goodness, creamy frosting. And then Maryland and Rutgers to start, you know, to start the rest of conference play. Um, But, I mean, what's fascinating here is, they're almost a guaranteed five wins in their first six games for the Hoosiers, and they got a really good chance at six of their first seven um, if if Penix is healthy. And if you're talking about a six and one Indiana team hosting Penn State on October 31st, like whoa, that's, Nelly. that's a that's a game right there. Um, and again, not to step on the Penn State preview, but. Indiana's not going to be trying to attack Penn State in the ways that Penn State is strongest. So um, I think it's it's a fascinating situation because, again, if Penix can be healthy entering the second half of the season, but to everything Scuzz said earlier, I mean, like, what Indiana wants is Peyton Ramsey ready for the second half of the schedule, and they don't have that. So Penix, Penix, um, not Ramsey. No, 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 I mean Ramsey. Like, last oh. year, to Scuzz's point, Ramsey finished things up oh, and did a lot of yep, the dirty sure. work down the stretch. Sure. And they need him for the second half of the slate, um, and they don't have him. 
So, yeah, discuss this point. I mean, if, with, if Penix stays healthy the whole year, I mean, eight wins is absolutely in play. And if things break the right way, I could see them winning game 10 in a bowl. Like, that's, like, it's it's definitely in play. This is a team with an, a, a potentially awesome offense if it's healthy. And the defense does not suck. So, uh, you know, and their their schedule is so cake the first half of the year. I, I don't know. I mean, they're they're good. It could come together. So you're saying the ceiling of nine regular season wins? Yeah, I mean, I I see them taking the the, the L at Camp Randall, so they go five and one, beat Michigan State six and one. Um, you know, Illinois that gets you seven. Purdue in an absolute what's going to be an absolute barn burner. Um, Indiana's the more complete team, probably in that game. Complete. They're 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 at home too. Yeah, they're and at they home. Went, they went to double overtime last year. Yeah, and then you're you know you're looking for Penn State, Michigan. Which on one hand you're saying, well, you know, it's Penn State and Michigan. Yeah, but we outlined that this was clearly the fourth best team in the East last year. Um, and if they're looking to move up, those are your two targets right there. So I don't know. That's that's the high the high mark. Um, but then on the low mark, I mean, Scuzz said six and six, and you certainly look at the back half of the schedule, and you're like, yes, you could see it. But they'd have to fall off a cliff um, with the way they're going to start the season. But again, well, but but it's but Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, oh, Purdue, Wisconsin. Oh, I mean, there's yeah. six losses, right? Like it's oh, super. Oh yeah, and if Penix is hurt by the time mid October rolls around, this team could easily fall off a cliff. Um, you've got all of a sudden you've got. Tuttle having to face the Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan defenses, they're going to annihilate that kid. So, um, yeah, it's it, it can break a couple of different ways. Trying to find their bi- their bye week is early. It's between Connecticut and Maryland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that does them no favors whatsoever. Um, I'm just looking at, you know, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State in three weeks in a row, um, Illinois, and then at Michigan. That's that's brutal. And maybe Michigan State isn't as good as, you know, as they used to be, but um they're, they're still going to put a put a hurting on you. There is the scenario which we're which we're all kind of writing off and and with good reason. But Indiana is not going to walk into Wisconsin and just roll over in that game. Um, you know, I mean, I, Wisconsin's going to be the better team and Wisconsin's going to be, that's going to be a madhouse on a Friday night, um, at Camp Randall. Well, it, but, if, if anyone's in the stadium. Right. True. Right. Um, but if, but in a situation. Oh, that's fascinating. Wisconsin without their home, home field advantage. Yeah. It's, that's it, fascinating. It is. God, this year is going to be so weird. It is so weird. And, and again, right. And that's the kind of thing where if somehow that plays in Indiana, again, I, that's a mountain to climb regardless. But if Indiana beats Wisconsin dollars, you know, times the dollars, they're beating Michigan State too, which means they're starting the season seven and oh and hosting Penn State on Halloween. So there's, you know, it's a it's a fascinating team. This was this was a good team last year that did not stop being good. Like they're Indiana's they're one of the truly fascinating teams. That's why it was fun to start the previews with this team. Like there things could break a ton of ways, and it all starts with Penix. It's funny because like in a normal year, this would be the sort of thing where I'd say like, thank God we're not playing Indiana because I just like they're a team that I feel like Northwestern has 
kind of taken too lightly in the past. Um, but with the Ramsey transfer, it's actually a year that would like a hundred percent not happen. Um, so I guess like too bad we're not playing Indiana. Uh, so that's Indiana for uh, 2020. Um, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates, And you can email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.